Listen, there's 82 of these. I, I thought we certainly played well enough to win. Uh, not very happy only getting one point tonight. Some nights that you're satisfied. But in terms of how we played the game, the process part of it, th there, there was better things than there was, say, two weeks ago. Took of the third goal. Did you see that, or, or was you screened on it, or? I didn't see, but it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, it's you're out there. You gotta give your team a chance to win. Uh, make those timely saves. Today, I, I, I didn't make any, so that's that's the result. Uh, you, know, you end up losing, but uh, we're not. Hello, and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast for Wednesday, December 18th. I am your host, Ian McLaren, and this, of course, is a Daily Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. Off the top there, you heard from uh, Bruins head coach Bruce Cassidy and goaltender Tuka Rask following last night's uh, loss to the Los Angeles Kings, 4-3 result in overtime, a game in which the Bruins were leading 3-2 uh, late in the third period and uh, then went on to lose to one of the NHL's uh, lesser thans at this point in the season. We'll get to that in a few moments. Talk about the game. Also get into some mailbag questions and some news and notes from around the NHL. But first, I want to remind you that you can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. You can find me at Ian C. McLaren. And uh, please also uh, subscribe, download, Listen, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, really appreciate all who have done so already and who listen to the podcast on a daily basis or even a few times a week. It really means a lot. And uh, we're at episode 58 already, which uh, seems pretty wild. The Bruins almost halfway through the regular season. Uh, and we'll get into kind of where they stand at this point. Here in a moment. But first, uh, last night's game against the Kings. Honestly, the Bruins probably deserved a better fate in this game. Out shooting the Kings 40-27. They had a 65-46 to shot attempt advantage in all situations. Uh, Jonathan Quick played like uh, the goalie of old. And uh, something that I mentioned with Sarah from Locked on Kings and yesterday's podcast is that he looked really good against the Penguins. And, you know, I wasn't overly surprised that the Bruins uh, didn't pull this one off based on how they've been playing uh, lately. But as Bruce Cassidy said, um, the process was part of it. There were better things in this one than a couple weeks ago, per se. But uh, still, the Bruins uh, managed to uh, let this one uh, slip away from them. They did grab a point, but um, should have been should have been two points. Uh, they did fall behind early in this one, thanks to uh, a goal by Blake Lazotte, another player that Sarah mentioned in yesterday's podcast to watch out for. Danton Heinen brought the Bruins uh, level with a, just under a minute left in the first period on a power play goal. Bruins then allowed a shorthanded goal to Adrian Kempe which was countered by uh, a Patrice Bergeron goal uh, about midway through the second period. Uh, the Bruins seemed to get the break that they'd been chasing all night when Brandon Carlo kind of floated a puck in from uh, the right blue line and just managed to elude Jonathan Quick, kind of the puck luck that they were looking for that they seemed to deserve after getting all these shots and attempts. 
Unfortunately, Matt Roy uh, tied the game at the uh, 18-minute mark, and then Anzi Kopitar scored on a breakaway to give the Kings the overtime win. You heard uh, Rask say that um, he kind of didn't see that third goal, but it, it didn't really matter. Um, he uh, didn't make the timely saves, and that was an issue uh, in this game for sure. I wouldn't go as far as to say the Bruins can't win with Rask, as some did on Twitter last night, because um, if you recall the playoffs last year, Rask was uh, one win away from being the Conn Smythe winner and completely erasing that false narrative uh, about him. But um, the the Blues won that game. He did not get his name on the cup again or on the Conn Smythe trophy. And so this um, silly narrative lingers, although he admittedly was not uh, at his best last night when, when the team needed him. The Bruins have now failed to string together two straight wins since the beginning of the month when they uh, beat the Canadians and the uh, Hurricanes to begin December. Uh, they've since lost six of their last seven games, two of which came in overtime. Uh, the last one win was Saturday against the Panthers, as we recall. They'll now play uh, the Islanders, who got thumped 8-3 last night. Uh, so they may be out for uh, for revenge or to show that they're uh, not that bad. Although, as I've been saying, their underlying numbers kind of suggest uh, that they won't sustain their success. Then the Bruins play the Predators and the Capitals prior to the holiday break. So um, a couple of big tests coming up. Obviously, it would be nice to rebound from this disappointing loss and get back in the win column. This is reflected in the title of this episode. All I want for Christmas is two straight wins. That would be nice. Back to the game against the Kings. Cassidy added, um, it seemed like everyone we gave up that went back in the back of the net had plenty of chances to extend the lead in the third. We were playing the right way, seemed to be in control. Kind of a harmless play where we didn't manage the puck on the retrieval, could have done a better job. All of a sudden, it's in the net. That's referring to the tying goal. Um, he said, I don't think the Bruins gave up much in terms of defending. Offensively, certainly created enough to win the game, uh, as I referenced in uh, the shot attempts that the Bruins generated and the, the 40 shots on goal. Uh, they scored a lot of situational goals, that being a power play goal, shorthander goal, uh the three-on-three goal in overtime, and then the five-on-five goal. They didn't really get a lot five-on-five, which was a positive in Cassidy's mind. That's just the way it goes some nights. One bright spot on the night was Danton Heinen. He uh, chipped in a goal, the opening goal for the Bruins. Uh, Cassidy said he is a guy that we rely on for secondary scoring. Uh, He can play on the second line with Krejci and DeBrusque. He can go down to the third line. He said, I move him all over the place because I feel he can figure out what's required on the line. On the fly, he's a good cerebral player, works hard. Danton is trying to keep growing his game, and he does a good job for us most nights. Uh, he's yeah, kind of been flopped around between the second line, third line. I think he's best suited on the third line with um, Bjork and Coyle, um, and that means that there's a need on the second line right wing. But we'll get into that here in a moment. Uh, with the mailbag, as well as some news and notes from around the NHL. Spoiler alert, Ilya Kovalchuk. Uh, but yeah, so the Bruins, uh, with the loss, their record 
now stands at 21-7-7. They have 49 points, which is 10 clear of the Buffalo Sabres for top spot in the Atlantic. They're also uh, four points behind the Washington Capitals for top spot in the Eastern Conference and uh, the league as a whole. Um, so despite this recent uh, downswing, they still remain second overall in the NHL, second in the Eastern Conference, and they're tied with the Colorado Avalanche for the best goal differential in the NHL at plus 28. So yeah, 4-4-2 four, four, and two in their last 10, uh, not as strong as we'd like them to play lately, but um, things are not as dire as they seem. And uh, hopefully they can string a couple wins together here before the break so that we all have more positive feelings about this team over Christmas. It is Wednesday, which means it's time to open up the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast mailbag. Quite a few questions this week, so let's get right into it. I'll start with Sarah at SKG underscore 18. She says, yes, hello, Ian. Why does John Moore keep getting the spot in the lineup over Clifton when he continues to do John Moore things to make me want to slam my head against the wall every game? Asking for a friend. The friend is me. Thank you. I'll hang up and listen. Uh, It's a bit of a conundrum. I think it goes back to the fact that the Bruins have um, invested five years into John Moore's contract. And my hope is that they're playing him in order to perhaps showcase him a bit for an eventual trade. Um, He does have a fairly reasonable cap hit at 2.75 million. Like I mentioned, he signed through 2022, 23 doesn't seem like a great fit uh, with the Bruins and their system. He does some good things which are often uh, negated by some, very questionable decision-making, taking some penalties. Um, So, yeah, I'm not really sure why they've decided to um, give him the starts over Clifton. It probably goes down to the fact that he is a more of established uh, NHL veteran. And, yeah, the fact that they're paying him $2.75 million uh, to play. You don't want to have him and Bacchus both recent uh, bigger free agent signings by Sweeney, both in the press box. That's kind of a bad look for the general manager. So I'm sure he's wanting um, Cassidy to to play him. And hopefully that might lead some teams with defensive uh, needs to inquire about his availability, especially if Kevin Miller ever comes back. Uh, But based on how he's been playing, that's relatively uh, doubtful. Um, Zach Brooks, 29, he asks, maybe not Bruins related or mailbag worthy. All questions are mailbag worthy, Zach. Are you taking time off from the podcast over the holidays? Uh, not quite sure what the schedule will be like over the holidays. I imagine we'll do a show Monday and Tuesday of next week, take off Christmas Day, possibly Boxing Day, then be back on Friday, and then maybe New Year's Day off as well. But um, this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast and we'll be around as much as possible. Next question comes from Spencer Fashetta at Puck Nerd Hockey. He asks, can we just please wave more? 
That'd be nice. Well, that's certainly a possibility. Um, if he is scooped up, all the better. Um, but again, his term and yeah, not so much the cap hit, but the term is definitely problematic. Teams would be picking up three plus years remaining on his contract. It's quite a commitment. Uh, probably one that Sweeney should not have made in the first place. William Nickerson at School Bill. He's a frequent question submitter, and I uh, joked with him last week that one of these days I'll get him on the podcast to just fire away with a live mailbag segment. Uh, he asks, any new information on Kevin Miller? Feels like I haven't heard anything in a bit. Is he ever going to be healthy? Thanks, bud. Keep up the good work. Um, I haven't seen anything new other than he had a setback recently. Um, if he's ever going to be healthy, I mean, I, I would hope so. He's uh, He was much maligned at the beginning of his tenure with the Bruins. He developed into a pretty solid physical defenseman. Um, yeah, same with Moore. Whether he can come back and make an impact on the lineup in a positive fashion or if he can be flipped uh, for a team that needs a defenseman. That remains to be seen, but just on a personal level, I hope that he is able to return and uh, continue playing because uh, it's always nice to see guys, yeah, come back from from those big injuries and and resume their playing careers, especially when it's not concussion related. Uh, they're not putting themselves in uh, mortal peril. He also asked, can't remember if it's been answered before, but do you have? Uh, sorry, do you follow any other teams? If so, which teams? Uh, I do. The Bruins are my number one sports love, uh, but I do also watch uh, a lot of baseball and basketball, specifically being up here in Canada. I'm a Toronto Blue Jays fan. Uh, I have been for a little bit longer than the Bruins, actually. Um, and I'm also a Toronto Raptors fan since day one. And um, this past spring, there had been an opportunity for the Bruins and Raptors to both win league championships on back-to-back -back nights. The Raptors came through, the Bruins did not, so it was a bit of a bittersweet uh, time. Uh, the Bruins winning would have meant more to me than the Raptors, but the Raptors was uh, very fulfilling and uh, joy-bringing since uh, I honestly didn't think that would ever happen. And the Bruins have one in my lifetime. Final question comes from at Boston JMD. He asks thoughts on Kovalchuk. What other players should the bees be targeting? This kind of flows into the news and notes segment of the podcast. On Tuesday, Ilya Kovalchuk became an unrestricted free agent after clearing unconditional waivers, allowing the Kings to terminate his contract. Uh, Spectres Hockey, which I turn to for a lot of um, daily updates, he notes, uh, despite Kovalchuk's struggles with the Kings, there's plenty of speculation suggesting the 36-year-old winger can end up with another NHL club. Um, in the rumors section, he mentions Bob McKenzie reporting uh, Kovalchuk's agent will try to find a new NHL home after the contract was terminated. Uh, we'll try to find a short-term deal worth close to the league minimum salary of seven hundred thousand, uh, ideally with a Stanley Cup contender. Igor Aronko from uh, Russia he claimed the Bruins 
could be interested in Kovalchuk. Bruins have limited cap space right now, about 1.7 million. They're seeking a winger for the second line uh, right wing spot, as we all know. And I contend that if the Bruins can convince him to sign a Patrick Marlowe type deal, which is around that 700,000 mark, it's well worth uh, giving him a look on that second line uh, spot. We saw last night the power play struggled a little bit. They gave up that shorthanded goal. Kovalchuk is not as fleet of foot as he used to be, uh, but he can still shoot the lights out. Um, there's questions about his attitude, blah, blah, blah. Sarah yesterday on the podcast mentioned how Kovalchuk um, was, you know, seemed like a, a team-friendly guy, amenable to staying out on the ice uh, with uh, young players, kind of um, just being that good example in the room. So I don't think it would be a huge stretch to assume that he could make an impact uh, in terms of adding offense to the Bruins. I think it's worth taking a look, especially now that we're, you know, still several weeks away from the trade deadline. If it doesn't work out, you can cut bait and reassess um, what you're able to do at the deadline, whether it be looking at other targets, which we'll get to here in a minute. But, um, you know, a prorated $700,000 one-year deal. Uh, it's a low risk, potentially medium to high reward, uh, proposition. Uh, the Bruins did have an interest in Kovalchuk before he signed with the Kings in 2018. Uh, if they take a chance on him and, um, it doesn't work out, like I said, they can shift their focus. If it does work out, then, you know, they look like geniuses for for being willing to to take that risk so i i say uh i say go for it sweeney sign him let's see what happens in terms of other targets to wrap up that question uh i believe that king's forward tyler Tafoli is an attractive option i've i've long contended that uh kyle palmieri from the New Jersey Devils is an option, although he remains under contract through next year, so he would cost a bit more. Uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot from the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Anthony Duclair uh, would be an attractive option, although uh, the cost on those players would be pretty high considering how they've played this year, especially Duclair as of late. Uh, Josh Hosang was an option. Uh, it looks like he is ready to report to AHL Bridgeport uh, as... Lou Lamorello continues to try to honor the, the trade request. Uh, Hosang needs to play to drum up any interest. Um, so uh, that remains a possibility, although I don't don't really believe it's uh, somebody that the Bruins would be interested in based on his kind of one-way play. You could argue that about Kovalchuk as well, but he has the proven scoring ability at the NHL level. Um, elsewhere around the league, we saw another lacrosse-style goal from Carolina Hurricanes forward Andre Svechnikov. That's two this season where it had not previously happened in NHL history. If you haven't seen that highlight, uh, do go check it out. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention was um, an update on Nakeem Alou and uh, the story involving Colorado Eagles uh, equipment manager, uh, who went to a 2011 Halloween party dressed in blackface as Alou. He apologized directly to Alou recently 
and Alou um, advocated for uh, Tony Deinzer, the uh, staffer in question, uh, to keep his job. It was uh, acknowledged as an unacceptable racist incident. Deinzer offered a heartfelt and emotional apology directly to Mr. Alou, which which Akima accepted, and Alou requested that Deinzer not lose his job. Uh, Alou added, my conversation with Mr. Lind, he's the owner of the the Colorado Eagles, who at the time was an ECHL club. They're now the AHL affiliate for the Avs. Um, It was a tough conversation, but a necessary one. Alou added, I believe we must confront racism head on. I believe the time for big, positive change in the sport has arrived and that this moment can be used to promote diversity, inclusiveness, and safety in the sport and our community. Uh, I personally have a lot of respect for Alou for not only uh, coming out with these stories, having the courage to do so, but also showing that empathy, empathy, empathy and grace uh, towards Deinzer, um accepting the apology and not... Um, yeah, being punitive in his reaction, but just allowing that, um, yeah, that grace and empathy. It's really big of him. Not something that I could say that I would, I would do in that situation, but, um, I have a lot of respect for Akeem who also came out as we all know, um, talking about Bill Peters and kind of kicking off this larger conversation about abuse and racism, in the sport of hockey, which, uh, continues to, uh, be cleaned up. Um, if you missed it as well, Taylor Hall made an impact on the coyotes in his debut, assisting on a game winning goal, um, with Hall traded Darren Dreger reported that the, uh, New York Rangers forward, Chris Kreider becomes the big target. Uh, he speculates another club might try to do the same by getting an early jump on a trade. And the asking price could be a first-round pick and a mid-level prospect. So anyone looking to pick up Chris Kreider uh, may want to assess their prospects and their uh, pick pool in order to see if they want to to cough that up. Uh, he has a left-hand shot. Um, Bruins, again, in need of some help at second-line right wing. They have put some left-hand shots up there. Uh, but ideally, we'd want a right-hand shot to kind of balance out the lineup there. And that's uh, kind of why I turn to the players uh, that I mentioned previously, like Pajot, Toffoli, uh, Palmieri, guys like that, uh, I think, are who the Bruins should be targeting. Uh, you know, Zach Senishin looked good earlier on in the season, but I don't think he's quite ready for that primetime spot. Um, so yeah, that's it for today's podcast. Wednesday, December 18th, the Bruins are off until uh, Thursday where they will host the New York Islanders. Uh, so tomorrow we'll be back to preview that game, take a look at any lineup changes that might be in store and uh, maybe update the uh, power rankings as well. NHL top five uh, Bruins, as I mentioned 10 points ahead of the Buffalo Sabres for second place. Oh, sorry. They're in first place in the Atlantic. Sabres, 10 points back, followed by the Canadians, Maple Leafs, Lightning, uh, and Panthers. They're all within two points of each other in the race for second place as of right now. Hopefully the Bruins can uh, hold on to first here down the stretch. Thanks again for listening. 
This has been Locked On Boston Bruins podcast for another day. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. Find me on Twitter at ENC McLaren. Follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And take some time today to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Take care, friends. Have a great day.